And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise now and disguise yourself, so that they may not know that you are the wife of Jeroboam, and go to Shiloh. Behold, the hides of the prophet is there, who spoke concerning me that I would be king over this people. And take ten loaves with you, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to him. He will tell you what will happen to the boy. And Jeroboam's wife did so, and arose and went to Shiloh, and came to the house of Ahijah. Now Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were dim because of his age. And the Lord had said to Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam is coming to inquire of you concerning her son, for he is sick. You shall say thus and thus to her, for it will be when she arrives that she will pretend to be another woman. And it came about when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet coming in the doorway, that he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam, why do you pretend to be another woman? <laughs> for I am sent to you with a harsh message. Uh, so much for that disguise, right? <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, me. It's just amazing what people will do. You know, the question is the sickness of Abijah, son of Jeroboam. Jeroboam wants to know, is he going to get well? And who better to turn to than the prophet Ahijah? Now, has he ever met Ahijah before? He's the one that said he'd be king. Exactly. Encounters with Ahijah more or less framed Jeroboam's career. And uh, he was right about that one, so you'd assume he'd know about the, you know, prognosis for his son. But the crazy thing is, I mean, he knows he hasn't been living right. He's been inventing this religion. He knows Ahijah probably would be against what he's teaching and, and, and doing. So he sends the missus in disguise, thinking that, you know, Ahijah maybe will answer her if he doesn't realize it's Mrs. Jeroboam, or he won't be upset because he doesn't realize it. But isn't that crazy? He thinks that he won't recognize her, but he'll know what's going to happen to the boy. We're just schizophrenic sometimes when it comes to things from the Lord. You know, we think we think we can we can get this blessing from God and He can do all these things, but He'll never know what we're really doing. It's like, well, if God's able to do all these things for you. How, how would he not know what you're doing? You know, some of those things don't make any sense. You know, that you think you can pull the wool over God's eyes. You know, wow. So, you know, Ahijah's half blind and she's disguised, but the Lord's already told him what's going on, you know. And so, uh, you know, he's, Ahijah's, as she comes in the door, come in, wife of Jeroboam, why do you pretend to be? Might as well take off that mask. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. You know, God's not mocked. You know, He sees through our pretenses, our cover ups, our charades. You know, uh, the cakes and honey aren't going to uh, change what He has to say, and neither will the, uh, the disguise. You know, and, and, and isn't it interesting? Jeroboam hasn't been wanting God's word until now. You know, suddenly with a sick kid, oh, what's God have to say about this? But he only wants God's word on, in certain crisis moments. He's not interested in a daily dose or anything, you know. So, uh, so that, that's just really, it's really comical. And uh, just kind of shows you how superficial Jeroboam really is. But anytime we think, well, God's, God's got enough to do things for me, but he's not got enough to know what I'm doing. It's like, Hello. <laughs> Thoughts and comments about that. Yeah, 
it defeats your whole uh, thinking even to put on the disguise. Go to the, go to the one who knows all things to find out because he knows all things, but disguise yourself. <laughs> I know. Stupid. Yeah, but, but I mean, seriously, people will hide things from God. You know, they'll think if they hide him from brethren, God doesn't know. They, 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 they will, I mean, I, I don't know how many people I've talked to who do something really bad and then they just, they're afraid to tell God. They're, they're embarrassed to talk to him about it. Like, well, you don't think he knows. I mean, you're not going to inform him of something that he didn't realize. You know, better to plead for mercy. But we just, we short circuit on some of those things. Well, Ahijah does have a word from the Lord for uh, Mrs. Jeroboam. In fact, he has several words from the Lord for her. Probably uh, Jeroboam may wish he hadn't asked by the time this is all said and done. Uh, he's really got a message about Jeroboam himself, a message about the child, a message about the nation of Israel, all rolled up in this uh, one prophecy. So 7 to 16. Go say to Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, yet you have not been like my servant David who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart to do only that which was right in my sight. You also have done more evil than all who were before you and have gone and made for yourself other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I am bringing calamity on the house of Jeroboam, and I will cut off from Jeroboam every male person, both bond and free in Israel, and I will make a clean sweep of the house of Jeroboam, as one sweeps away dung until it is all gone. Anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dogs will eat, and he who dies in the fields, the birds of the heavens will eat, for the Lord has spoken it. Now you will rise and go to your house. When your feet enter the city, the child will die. All Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he alone uh, of Jeroboam's family will come to the grave, because in him something good was found toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Moreover, the Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel who will cut off the house of Jeroboam this day and from now on. For the Lord will strike Israel as a reed is shaken in water, and he will uproot Israel from this good land which he gave to their fathers, and will scatter them beyond the Euphrates River, because they have made their Asherim, provoking the Lord to anger. He will give up Israel on account of the sins of Jeroboam, which he committed with which he had made Israel to sin. Whoa, what's a mouthful. Yeah. You think about the potential Jeroboam had. God took him from among the people, made him king. You know, tore the kingdom away from the house of David, gave it to him. And you remember what Ahijah told him. If he was faithful, he'd have a continuing dynasty over Israel just like David did. You know, tremendous, wasted potential. Because what did he do? He did worse than the ones before him. He did worse than Solomon. You know, that wasn't the, the plan. He didn't, he didn't obey the Lord. So what was God going to do with Jeroboam? Remove him and 
He's just going to wipe out the whole family. It doesn't sound like God views the, viewed those bulls as just relatively harmless aids to worship, does it? You know, that, that, that invented religion. God was not happy about one little bit. And so I'm wiping your whole family out. I'm just sweeping out, sweeping the whole nation clean of, of your kind. Uh, so that's the prophecy about Jeroboam. What's going to happen to the son that's sick? He's going to die. When? As soon as she, she gets, gets back. back. Boy, isn't that bad? In a way, she's almost going to kill her own kid just by setting foot in her city. She could just not go back, but... <laughs> I mean, God would find a way to get around that. Instead. Yeah, well, then, what do you do if you don't go back? you got to go back home. Yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> that's that's a really difficult situation to be in. I mean, that, that's just, that's wow, that hurts. But why does God bring this boy to the grave? Because he's good. There's something good in him. That's the funniest thing. Because we would think that's the worst thing that could happen. But actually, God's saying, because I found something good in him, I'm going to give him a decent burial. That's more than I can say for any of the rest of this family. You know, it's, it's really going to be a blessing to him that he doesn't have to go through all the atrocities that are going to occur to the rest of the family. You know, we think that the worst thing that could ever happen to you is die. And especially die young. Well, maybe not. I'll tell you what, there's some people that have been a whole lot better if they'd have died young. There's some people who would say that. I wish I had died young. So God knows. You know, he actually blesses this boy. There was something good in him with an early death so where he doesn't have to go through all the stuff that the house of Jeroboam will go through. I think that's a very interesting perspective that we would not have thought about. And then what's going to happen to Israel? Yeah. Scattered beyond the Euphrates. Pretty serious stuff. You know, they're going to be taken into Syrian captivity is what that's really going to happen. I mean, that's what he's talking about. Uh, so, prophecy against Jeroboam and his family, prophecy about the child, and prophecy against Israel. All in this one answer to uh, Mrs. Jeroboam. Comments and thoughts? You got more than he bargained for. Yeah, yeah. This might have, he might have preferred not hearing all this. <laughs> you know, if you ask what the word of the Lord is, you better be prepared. All right, 17 to 20. Then Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Tirzah. As she was entering the threshold of the house, the child died. All Israel buried him and mourned for him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through his servant Ahijah the prophet. The prophet. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how he made war and how he reigned, behold, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. The time that Jeroboam reigned was twenty-two years, and he slept with his fathers, and they Nadab, his son, reigned in his 
place. So we're just kind of uh, tying up the loose ends here. Sure enough, the child died when Jeroboam's wife uh, came to the city of Terza, the capital at this point. They mourned him and buried him like God said. Then Jeroboam, you know, you can read more about him in this book of the Chronicles of the Kings. And uh, Jeroboam reigned 22 years and his son Nadab takes over. So that that's a kind of a typical kind of, uh, you know, end of a kingship kind of a passage. Any comments or questions about that? Twenty-one to thirty-one. Now Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was forty-one years old when he became king, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen from all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah the Hamanitess. And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy more than all their fathers had done in the sins which they committed. For they also built for themselves high places and sacred pillars and ashram on every high hill and beneath every luxuriant tree. And there were also male cult prostitutes in the land, and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. Now it came about in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. And he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house, and he took everything, even taking all the shields of gold which Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made shields of bronze in their place, and committed them to the care of the commanders of the guards who guarded the doorway of the king's house. Then it happened, as often as the king entered the house of the Lord, that the guards would carry them and would bring them back into the guards' room. Now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And his mother's name was Naamah, the Ammonitess. And Abijam, his son, became king in his place. Well, not so good about Rehoboam either, is it? And did you notice the thing that he says at both the beginning and the end of this section? His mother's name and her race. And why is that so important? You weren't supposed to marry foreigners. Who had married a foreigner? So. Yes. Do you see this love for foreign women bearing bad fruit in his son? You know, no wonder Rehoboam was a not very good king. You know, his mother was from, was from the children of Ammon. She was an Ammonite woman. She wasn't a God-fearing person. You know, if you want your children to turn out well, don't marry an Ammonite. That's a good, good lesson. And so, you know, the things we do wrong often affect our descendants. You know, they often have a continuing negative impact. And so, you know, Judah did evil, provoked him to jealousy. You know, they all these... <coughs> wicked things. Look at verse 24. They did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. They act like Canaanites. You know, that's just a, a tragedy that they ended up 
being like the people that God chose to destroy by the hand of the Israelites. That was not supposed to happen that way. And it's not surprising the Lord starts afflicting Rehoboam. Who does he send against him? Egypt. Yeah. Shishak, Pharaoh of Egypt. This is probably, we're not sure always, this is probably the same as the Shishonk that's mentioned in Egyptian history. Um, and, and, wow. What does Shishak end up doing? Carrying away all the gold. Yeah. Even those gold shields that seem to have been, you know, kind of uh, what Solomon managed to do with all of his leftover gold. You know, and, uh, and that that's pretty devastating. You know, it reminds me of Proverbs 23, 4. Do not weary, weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it's gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings, like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. You know, you can't count on wealth to stick around. It, it'll make wings and fly off, and that's what it does. So what does Rehoboam end up doing to replace the gold shields? Bronze. Now, what's the difference between gold and bronze? Well, bronze is worse than silver, and silver was common in Sol when Solomon made the gold shields. Yeah, this is like a real come-down. This doesn't show you, you know, how far declined they are just in Rehoboam's reign. That's pretty incredible. I mean, in a short time, Rehoboam manages to, you know, lose the shields of gold and he has to replace him with the shields of bronze. And even those shields, what do they do to protect him? They guards. Yeah, and they carry him back and forth to the guarded room and all that. They're afraid of they, them even getting stolen. You know, wow. From, from gold so much you don't have anything to do with it to having to guard bronze shields with your life. That just really shows you that things have really gone bad for Rehoboam. And, uh, you know, the constant war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam, you know, finally dies. Uh, and, uh, you know, Abijam, his son, becomes king in his place. We must, by the way, start really sorting out the names of these people because it gets kind of complicated. You've got the prophet Ahijah. That was the prophet that spoke at the beginning and end of Jeroboam's time. Then both of them, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, have sons named Abijah or Abijam. Doesn't really matter. It can be interchangeable. So they both have sons with that name. The son of... Jeroboam Abijah dies. The son of Rehoboam Abijah continues his dynasty, you know, reigns in this place. Comments and questions? It took Rehoboam less than, what, 18 years to manage to lose all the gold. And, and it doesn't even give much detail. It's like, yeah, this guy from Egypt walked up there and carried off all the gold. So did they not have like an army or was there a fight for it or did he just hand it over or were these guards uh, <laughs> pitiful or? Yeah, maybe a little bit of all of that. Incompetent? Just walked in there and took it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming he's just so much stronger. It says in Chronicles, in Second uh, Chronicles 12, 2, it came about in King Rehoboam's fifth year, uh, because they had been unfaithful to the Lord, that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem with 1,200 chariots and 60,000 horsemen. And the people who came with him from Egypt were without number, the Lubim and the Sakim and the Ethiopians. He captured the fortified cities of Judah and came as far as Jerusalem. Uh, you know, and then Shemaiah the prophet gathers Rehoboam, the people together, and says, Thus says the Lord, you have forsaken me, so I also have forsaken you to Shishak. Uh, and they humble themselves or that things would have gotten worse and God finally, you know, intervenes. So really, it only took him five years to lose all that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think Shishak was just way overpowered him. You know, God was, God was punishing him. I mean, it's just, that's just a tragic. Rehoboam, wow, he just, you know, made a mess of everything. Manages to lose most of the kingdom and the gold in a matter of less than five years, you know. This was only the first time that the temple was raided. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that will become a regular occurrence. Yeah. But there's nothing left to raid. Well, maybe there is, and maybe they replace some things from time to time. So it's, uh, I would get that. I'm kind of bored. Let's go raid the two yeah. temple in Jerusalem again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it seemed to be a uh, rich source. I mean, there was a lot of gold in it, so I don't know that Shishak got all the gold in it. He got the gold shields anyway. Hey, the other guys raided it twice. We've only raided it once. Yeah. Let's go. Let's say he took everything, even taking all the shields of gold in verse 26. Yeah, but everything is a relative term. <laughs> it doesn't mean everything. <laughs> Why bad? But it just happened how many times? I mean, a lot. Yeah. We're going to raid someone. Right. I mean, sure. some of them give more detail how they stripped the gold off of the. Right. Maybe he took all the conveniently places. You know, later, surely they would have, you know, mined and got it or traded for it. Or I something. mean, Chronicles again says, So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem, took the treasures of the house of the Lord and treasures of the king's palace. He took everything. He even took the golden shields which Solomon had made. But taking everything doesn't necessarily mean he stripped the gold out of the doors and, you know, melted the gold off the altar and, you know, so forth and so on. He takes a bunch of the gold stuff. But, you know, but I, I would assume there are times they replace some stuff, too. But, yeah, it's, it's a tragedy. I've often thought about this in connection with the book of Proverbs. You know, I mean, I don't know how much of Proverbs Solomon actually spoke to his son Rehoboam, as opposed to other sons. But, wow, that was a wasted effort, wasn't it? <laughs> and it may be in part... <clears throat> you're going to follow the example more than you do the words. You know, Solomon spoke a lot better than he lived. So, I don't know, there's a lot of interesting things to think about in all that. Other thoughts? So, it, was, it wasn't prophesied to Solomon that he was going to lose all this, was it? That wasn't the time where he displayed it. That was Hezekiah. That was Hezekiah. Okay. Yeah, that was long after this. No, I don't think so. But it was the same temple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, it was that. <laughs> he was showing off the gold. But he did that with the Queen of Sheba, showed off everything. Yeah. But it wasn't condemned at that point. Right. Probably a little different purpose as well. I think Hezekiah was trying to impress the Babylonians that he could be a good ally and 
trying to make a pact with them or whatever. I don't know. That kind of backfired. <laughs> yeah, very much. God didn't like them making pacts with those other nations. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll stop here at the end of uh, chapter 14, but uh, good to share this. Lots of, lots of very intriguing things in First Kings. I really enjoy the king's account of this. Very intriguing. Yeah.